What is up, you beautiful bastards? It's your boy, Chief Sumo, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to Kyle Ritchie, the CEO of stridesapp.com. Now, for the past two years, I've been using the Strides app daily to build and track my habits. It's been insanely helpful. I've used it to read my yearly goals, walk 5,000 steps, study Hebrew, and a few other habits. So I was super intrigued about how much data this company must have on building habits. So I hit up Kyle and he shares a bunch of information about how to build habits today. If you ever want to learn about setting goals, creating new habits the right way, you're going to love this. You'll learn three major things. Number one, why you should focus on beliefs, not results when making new goals. Number dos, how to set up easy wins for the big ones. Number three, the productivity apps we're using that's working for us. Enjoy those three things plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Enjoy. Before we jump into the conversation, go check out Strides App. It's stridesapp.com, totally free and super easy to use. Also, a special pre-show shout out listener to Loharp of USA. He left a review saying, I'm a few years away from retirement, and this show is helping me want to quit my job and start my own business, which I hope you live the life you want, man. Thank you for the review. I check every single one of them. Please leave a review on iTunes, and I'll shout you out in a future episode. Dude, you, you have a personality that is just like nice. <laughs> like I just you meet certain people you're smiling and you're at good vibes like you meet certain people I'm just like I wonder how it is for people to meet me it's probably like oh this guy's funny he's weird but you're just like ah oh, he's a good American like nice guy like <laughs> like I hope you get whatever you want in life thanks man you too you've been working on to do's apps and tracker apps and, and things like that for productivity and habits is your whole day just like one big to do list or is it like crazy no. structured. So I started literally 2008, 2009, got the first like iPhones and stuff and started getting really into to-do list apps. And so that was kind of where it all sort of began for me because was, that was actually, I had just graduated from college in, in 08. And so it was just a good way to keep things organized, you know? And then I started getting really annoyed with like the whole nobody trusts in New Year's resolutions and we're all just kind of making fun of ourselves saying that we're, we want to do these cool things, but we're not going to do them for real. I mean, by February, we're like done with them, you know? And so, yeah, I just kind of progressively like over the years got better at using them. I said just for my own personal use cases and stuff, and then just found that I really wanted the same kind of thing, but for more than just tasks, you know, like just stuff that meant something to me like it was more important than just like a big brain dump of like who knows what, you know, <laughs> like a super long list. And so, yeah, I ended up just, I ended up doing um, strides in 2011. And then it just, I mean, gradually became much, much bigger, not just in terms of like people that use it and stuff, but like the app itself, you know, like kind of larger than life from my initial envision and stuff. But at this point, no, like I actually frequently will have 10 things or less on my to-do list, even with personal stuff in a day. And yeah, things are pretty chill, honestly. I don't have like a ton of crazy busyness or anything. I'm a huge minimalist. So like I try really try to like pare things down whenever I can. I use strides and I'm talking about it with friends and I've talked about it on the show and other places. I was like, I think the amount of data and insights you have on habits and tracking has got to just be insane. And so I'm really excited to steal your information and then share it with everyone else. I don't know if I read it wrong, but did you actually you were in our course? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it was 2013. It took me a year and a half to build strides. And during building it, I bought the course and I wanted to not be a entrepreneur. <laughs> I wanted to launch it correctly and, and all that kind of stuff. And I I've done so many AppSumo deals too. I, I just love the company. I got the course and then I launched strides. I think it was like a month or two after I went through the course. For people who don't know strides, what's the church pitch? It's basically just an app for tracking any kind of goal or habit. 
started out, there are four tracker types. We're adding a fifth one, but there are four right now. It's target, average, project, and milestones. Sorry, milestones and habits. And so habits are good or bad. And then you can have streaks and goal streaks. And it's pretty much what you would think. I mean, it's just repeating stuff every day, week, month. You can set any number you want. A lot of them only had like, at the time, there was only one other habit tracking app on the app store, but now there are a bunch. But a lot of them only let you say like, I want to drink water in general, like every day. But like ours, you can say, I want to do six or eight glasses of water per day, that kind of thing. So that was kind of like the core component. And then on the goals side, Target lets you track anything like your typical smart goals stuff where you want to have like a certain value by a certain date. And so it may be getting to a certain weight by June 15th for your beach vacation, or maybe it's saving up a million dollars by this date, you know, in net worth or whatever it is. So that one's really popular too. Average is typically it's per day, week, month, or year, or you can do rolling the last X logs. A lot of people use it for things like sleep, like over the last seven days, you know, what's my average number of hours of sleep? And there are people who do it for things like budgeting. What do I spend on groceries every week on average or something like that? But that's a cool one. It's basically like habits, but it's just quantifiable instead of just being how many times that I do something. It's it's an actual number. And then the milestones, like the project one is a trickier one. That's why we're actually doing a fifth type. It's really powerful, but a lot of people are kind of struggling with it. So we're actually changing it up. So right now it's sliders. You just literally slide percent complete from zero to 100. And so you can break a big project down into something smaller something like launch a business. It might be like your research phase would be the first milestone and then invalidation, that kind of thing. And then the second one might be to build it. And then the third one might be to launch it. And the fourth one might be to optimize it or test some things and something, you know, so you could just create four quick milestones and then just slide what percent you're done. But the cool thing is that it shows you green or red if you're on track for each milestone and it does a expected value formula for all of them and then tells you at the top how you're doing on the whole project. So it's pretty nice because you can see it go red in a day and then be like, oh, if I just do like 5% of this one milestone, it'll go green again. So you just kind of need to make a little bit of progress and then it's it's back to green. So so I have strides send me notification every day. I have six strides on weekdays and four on weekends. I drink water four times a day. Collagen. So I like taking collagen pills so I can stay young and sexy. Learning. So I want to read a book or article or podcast. Hebrew. Read my goals for the year. And then walk 5,000 steps. And so today, actually, I like knocked it all out pretty early this morning. But I will tell you, Saturday, I didn't do learning during the day. I was totally going to lie. I was going to lie to strides and be like, <laughs> I mean, I can double it on Sunday. What have been some interesting observations that you've noticed from people by running this app? Yeah, I'd say so. I actually looked back for this. It's been a little over 14,000 people that I've emailed or talked on the phone with. You've talked or emailed with 14,000 people? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, I've done all the customer support from day one. I've never delegated that in any way. I mean, there are over a million people that have downloaded it. So that's not like we're getting, you know, a ton of emails percentage wise. But I mean, some of the conversations have been like two or three hour long phone calls, just like learning how they're using it, that kind of stuff. One would be that tracking one thing at a time is awful. It's a really common thing that a lot of people say to do. There are countless guru types in the productivity space that will talk about how you should focus on. It's kind of like a North Star metric thing for a business. Like that's a really good use case for doing one thing at a time. So you may have like a revenue goal. And that's the only thing we're going to pay attention to is that one goal. And we're not going to worry about monthly active users or email subscribers or whatever. We're just going to try to focus on this one thing. It's a cool thing in theory, but it doesn't work in practice. So you actually talked about a couple episodes back. I think it was you were talking about like personal, professional, like you had relationships and fun, I think it was. So you had like different areas of your life. 
that's a really good way to do it is to break things up into different categories and then have like one core focus with each of those things. And the reason is basically that like kind of the key takeaway or insight is that if you get easy wins, you get momentum from them. And then say, for example, like with your learning one, like if you're killing it, getting four glasses of water every single day, like you never miss it. If you stop paying attention to it, you stop tracking it, it's going to be harder to do the other things. And it's a really counterintuitive thing, but I've noticed that every single time that I've done it and people that I've talked to have done it, when they stop paying attention to those things, not only they may just like start slipping and having three or two on certain days and they get headaches and they're wondering what's going on, but it comes up a lot where people will basically not do something, like pay attention to it anymore because they feel like they've built the habit and it's just kind of there, you know? And it will quickly turn into something where they are only doing hard things and it becomes a huge barrier to entry. What other things do gurus or people get wrong? Like you hear about it and you're like, I have the data. I have a million people that have tracked stuff and I have some understanding of this better than almost everyone in the world. (laughs) That's definitely a big one. But I'd say another one would be a lot of people focus on really specific. I guess I would call them things that are tailored to a particular result. I guess a good analogy, since I know you work out and stuff, would be you can do compound exercises. So you're doing like weightlifting or something, or I know you ride bikes a lot and stuff. And so if you're doing compound things, you're working the majority of your body out, maybe a certain part or something, but it's not just like biceps and that's it, you know? And I think that's a pretty good analogy for this. Like having a bunch of things that you're paying attention to at the same time is fine as long as the things that you're focused on, like the core things that are sort of, I'd call them like cornerstone habits, like things that are really important that can impact and the kind of like cascade through the rest of your life. So a good example is water or sleep. A lot of the health things are really, really powerful. If instead you start to track things like weight, for example, that was one I gave earlier. If you say, okay, my only goal that I'm going to track right now and the only thing I'm going to pay attention to is my weight. I want to get it down to this number. The odds are pretty low that you're going to achieve the goal if that's the one thing that you're looking at, which is really weird. I mean, you would think that if you were just all in on one thing and I'm going to move the needle on this one metric, it's going to work really, really well. But like from what I've seen anyway, and some of that's anecdotal because we don't we keep everything pretty anonymous, like we don't have data on each individual user and stuff like that. But like just sort of in aggregate and sort of observationally, like it seems pretty clear to me that the people who would say, like, I'm going to track my weight, I'm going to pay attention to it because that's the number that I'm tracking, maybe body fat percentage, whatever it is. But I'm also going to say, like, what are the things that lead me there? So it's not just like the destination and sort of GPS style, like how many miles we have left almost. It's more like, what are the things we can actually do to get there? So like, what car are we going to take and what tires and whatever? You start to break it down into its pieces. And for example, with that one, getting sleep and drinking water are good things. Working out would obviously be a big thing. Being active, all those kinds of things. But I think that's a... That's one of the weird things, the sort of the counterintuitive things that I've learned is that a lot of people only focus on the thing that's like the result they're looking for and not on the building blocks, like the systems that can actually get them the result. Interesting. Any other ones come to mind or stand out? Most things are pretty fundamental, I think. So like a lot of people have a pretty good understanding of them. I think it's more about application beyond that. Like those are the two things that are the conceptual things that are sort of strategy based, I guess, that people either get wrong or just like do not really see coming, but they kind of get blindsided by them. But the other things are just hard to put into practice. And I think you just need a lot of accountability to hold yourself accountable to actually do the things that everybody knows. Because I love that. I think it's Reid Hoffman, that quote about how we'd all be billionaires with six-pack abs if all we need was information, you know? (laughs) That's good. I haven't heard that one. We're definitely in the information age and like it would not be too hard, you know, if that were all it was. So I think the rest of them are fitting in that category where it's just, it's a matter of just applying them, you know? What are the most popular habits that people track? What are the ones that kind of the go-tos? 
I actually originally ran like an aggregate, like a SQL query in the database a long, long time ago to figure out just in general what people were doing. And so I picked the 12 most common. Now, like to add is like templates to make them easier to add. Now we have like 150 templates, I think. But yeah, I'd say things like the health ones are really common. Exercise, weight, sleep, drink water, all those things. Meditate, journal. Those two are really popular. It almost sounds like a BuzzFeed listicle or something where it's just like, here are the top 20 habits to blah, blah, blah. And that might be why, honestly, because there's probably so many sites that are like the 30 habits of successful entrepreneurs or 10 things that these famous people do in their morning routine before 7 a.m., that kind of thing. It's a lot of those things. And I think that's probably part of it that like it's sort of a cultural thing, you know, like people are just in tune with that and they feel like those are things that people should be doing. What I love is that we also have, there's a farmer in Indonesia that tracks how many chickens he has. And like, you can track literally anything you want. So it's like, it can be so flexible that it's pretty cool seeing the more unique things that people come up with too. What are some of the weirder ones? And then did you notice anything differently about geographical? One thing that's kind of odd, actually, that I made a decision really early on, throws some people off, particularly people with engineering backgrounds. There are no units in the app. And it's really intentional. It's because it can track anything like chickens or something. Like I said, it it could be dollars or euros. It could be pounds or kilos. I mean, it could be anything, right? So we built it with that in mind. And so because of that, it's like there isn't a whole lot of data on the type of thing other than the name of the tracker. And so what I've found from talking to people, though, is that it's typically when someone starts to track something really, really, really unique, they find that it's basically the same as when they track something really, really common. I know that sounds really vague, but like if someone says, for instance, that like they're going to track, say, the number of dollars in a bank account, something really straightforward, right? They just want to get up to this number of dollars and that's all it is. What I find is that like that kind of goal is really, really similar to something like chickens in a farm or in terms of the emotional value and like what it means to the person. And a lot of times it goes back to those fundamental things, whether it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, is it a basic need? Probably not. Honestly, you're probably not going to track goals for those things. You just need to get them done, you know, but it's typically things that are sort of a little higher on that chart, you know, where they're like, okay, this is met. I feel safe. I feel warm. I feel clothed. I feel like I have a place to lay my head, like food, basic things, you know, but everything beyond that though, like that's where it starts to kind of get interesting. And I haven't, that's really interesting about the geographical thing. I haven't seen clear patterns on that. Truthfully, when people send me an email, like it's mostly just if I see like a dot DE or dot JP, you know, email or something, I may know, oh, they're in Germany or Japan or something, but otherwise I don't really check into it. Most business advice is as you get growing and you get more usage, you hire someone to do your customer support, right? And you're the, it sounds like the opposite. I'm interested to show more about that. Yeah. So on the surface, it's just like, yeah, I just want to be more in touch with the customers. I want to know what they're doing and what they need and all that kind of stuff, kind of keeping a pulse on things. And I've talked with my wife millions of times, I feel like over the last five years, like, should I just outsource this, you know? But I, I really like talking to people about it and I've learned a lot from it and I've been able to apply a good portion of it to making it better. But another part of it is completely selfish. And it's just that my goal is to make it, I mean, software, you know, you can theoretically make it so good and so polished and so clear and such a solid experience that no one would ever need to email you. And so it's kind of like, I'm trying really hard to approach that, I guess. It's almost like a motivating factor for me to just keep seeing the emails go down. Like there was a time when I was getting over hundred emails a day and now it's like five and we have like five to 10 times as many people using the app now. And it's just from constantly iterating and trying to fix things and optimizing the fields and labels and tooltips and just every little thing, you know, in the FAQ section or whatever. So that's another really powerful side of it, I think, is like 
getting to the point where there's a lot less people needing help. Because to be honest, it's not just for me. It's also like the idea that if someone is reaching out, it sucks for them. There's something wrong. Like they don't want to have to wait and stuff too. So so it's kind of nice too, just to see it that way, keep my incentives aligned in that way and try to work it to zero. It probably won't ever go to zero, but one or two is fine. <laughs> or they just send you compliments. Like, hey, this is great. Yeah, it's true. It, that happens. That happens. But those don't count, I feel like. Those are the ones that it's like, thank you so much. That feels really good. <laughs> You're like archive. It's like in movies and things like that. You kind of pay attention to the one negative thing. Like I always joke about like the pixel on a screen. You're like that one pixel. It's like you have a great screen. You kind of pay attention to the negative thing. So you did mention it. I'm curious, how can people improve their chances of accomplishing habits? You said unpacking it where it's like, hey, what are the actual processes? What have you observed uh, makes a difference? I've actually learned a lot from, have you heard of Gretchen Rubin? She does like a Rubin tendencies thing. She's a really cool author and she has this quiz and it's like these four tendencies. And I learned a lot from taking that. It's basically that the majority of the population fits in the obliger category, which means that they readily uphold expectations, like outer expectations from other people. And they may not from themselves, like a little quadrant thing. Some people uphold expectations of anybody themselves, inner expectations, like things like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And then they do it. Or it's like, oh, my boss said I got to do this thing. I'm going to do it. Right. That's a really rare group. (laughs) That's actually not very common at all. And she has a quiz. I think it's like millions of people that have taken this quiz. So she has tons of data on it. The other side completely is rebels who just completely resist any expectations from anybody, even themselves. And that's pretty rare, too. And then there are people on the other side that are basically like either really good at upholding their own expectations or someone else's. And so the reason to bring that up is because if you, most people pretty much just know just from that description, like, oh, I'm one of those guys, you know, but like, if you say, I'm going to start this charity bike ride for that, I'm going to ride this much, or I'm going to raise this much money or something, then you're probably just going to do it. Like you're a driven guy. That's just you. Right. But like a lot of people and the majority of people are on the other end where like, I'm just going to launch this business. All right. But if instead they like hired a business coach or they, you know, were held accountable by an app, if it's something that simple, sometimes it's just like telling your spouse or telling a friend or getting a gym buddy or someone you can walk with at work on your lunch break or whatever it is. Like a lot of times, if you figure out which of those sides of the spectrum that you kind of land on, and it's, if you know, in general, like, especially if it's like, oh, with health stuff, I'm just so bad about like sticking to a diet or whatever it is. Like a lot of people will say that kind of thing. It's like that person just needs someone else doing it with them. And like 90% of the times that I've seen that happen, people do so much better. It's really kind of mind blowing. So I think that's a big part of it is figuring out what would be something that could hold you accountable and then just putting that into practice. And typically when you do it, it kind of just uh, greases the wheels, you know? How have your habits changed with the app? So I have like seven and 800 day streaks on a bunch of them. I've just, is it like breathing? You're like, Oh, I did it today. Breathe. Yeah, man. I was, I just <laughs> kill it with breathing. No, it's, I mean, drink water was an example of one where I was like, I've done, I have like a 180 day streak or something. I don't need to keep tracking. And so, I mean, I just, it wasn't that I thought I needed to. So I just archived it and stopped tracking it. And I started getting headaches like a week or two later. And I was like, that's why I was why I gave that example. And I was like, Oh shit, I don't think I'm actually having enough water. And so I, started thinking back to the day before and stuff and realized that I was kind of slipping a little bit. So I started tracking again. I've been doing, I think it's like 800 days that I've been going straight. So the app itself has been helpful to me, but it's actually more that I'm like this sort of like meta layer. It's kind of, I mean, you know, like if you teach people business stuff, it's like my mom used to collect lighthouses and she had this quote in our basement that said, you can't bear a torch to light another's path without brightening your own. 
And like, I feel like when you teach someone something, you have to know it to teach it, right? But like, if you walk into a fifth grade classroom, and you start teaching someone something, the fact that you broke it down for an 11 year old is the reason why you formulated it in the right way, you know? So like knowing how to tie your shoes is one thing, but showing a five-year-old how to do it is a whole different level. And so I think it's kind of funny. Like that's one really cool thing about this is like I did it to scratch my own itch in the beginning. I just, I wanted this thing, but like it's completely changed my life. Like I've lost 45 pounds, paid off like $120,000 in debt from student loans and mortgage stuff and everything and done a bunch of other crazy stuff just because I've been partially like in probably an egotistical way, just like I'm the CEO of this company. Like I need to like use it and be like into it and do it well, you know? And then also just because it's been kind of catering to the needs that I had for it too. So what's your app look like now? Go over the the ones that you have. My first one is a course that I'm working on. It's a goal setting course because I just launched makeprogress.com. I just launched that a couple of weeks ago and I'm basically like going to be building courses and stuff and almost like the things that the FAQ doesn't address, the questions people keep asking over and over and over again. I'm just going to create some courses for that. So I have a few different ones and going through a course on doing courses I have a project tracker for that. And then I have for writing blog posts and then my weight and a body fat goal and then uh, sleep and steps. And I do a stretch routine, workout and interval training. I do planning with my wife, like planning our day, standing desk, drink water, paleo and then portion control because portion control is like I love eating. That's not easy for me. Meditate, journal, intermittent fasting, and then wind down, no screens. That's like my thing for today. So that's 20 trackers <laughs> for today. Do you change it on weekends at all? Yeah, lots of them are different on weekends. Let's see. It looks like I have 29 active right now. So there's some that are just like money goals. It'll be like on the first of the month and that kind of stuff. But so, I mean, it's, it's a pretty wide variety of things. It didn't start that way at all. Like I started tracking like a few things total, you know. But like I said, it's just some of them are just easy wins. And some of them are just target goals that take me two seconds to log and they're no big deal. And And others are just things that I say, I didn't do anything on that project today or whatever. Like, let's move on to the next one, you know? I was going to add a new one. I just realized this, like, I'm almost scared to add a new one. Yeah, there's a barrier for sure. Yeah, because I've had some of these walking 5K, my read goals and power. And I was going to do another one. I was like, just let me get these ones good. It's kind of an interesting mindset that for me, I like that every day I read my goals for the year. And it's like to add a seventh one or eighth one, it is more of a commitment. It is. Yeah. What I would hope, I guess, like the ideal scenario is that it's kind of like a virtuous cycle that just kind of like a ratchet that just keeps moving in the right direction. You know, if you start to get momentum with it and you feel really good about it, then eventually like there are people, there was one guy who kind of blew my mind. He had like 72 trackers that he logged every day. And then someone destroyed that with 186. I would never in a million years have thought, but it was a bunch of little specific things like breaking down. She's a personal trainer. And so she wanted to track individual exercises in it. So she had all these different trackers to be able to like break down her workouts and stuff. And I mean, she's just crushing it with all the fitness stuff. So to her, it's like completely reasonable to track all those things. So it depends on how you use it. I think that's the key is like, and that's true for anything, even if you're using a spreadsheet or whatever, you know, it's just, you don't want to overwhelm yourself, but I think pushing yourself just outside your comfort zone is good. If you're a little scared to add a seventh one, then add the seventh one, just make it something that's not too to do, you know? (laughs) All right. All right. You're right. Because you have so many people that have signed up. Do you notice that it's like people sign up, do it for a week and then drop off? And it is actually more like the New Year's resolution world. Also, what does it make the difference for people to push through that? Yeah. So obviously business wise, like, I mean, you know about retention and everything like that's a huge, huge thing. But thankfully with any mobile app, and that's one thing that's a little bit harder as a mobile app, like we're not collecting an email and sending like email campaigns to them and all that kind of stuff. So like there are a good number of people that drop off. Over the years, we've, I want to say almost quadrupled like three to four times the retention rate that we used to have for like 30 day retention. 
And what's really interesting is that like, I'm trying to keep our incentives aligned as much as I can just across the board with the model and everything else. And I, what I've found is that like the people that make it, you actually said a week, the people that make it past a week typically use it for a really long time. And that's really good. It's really good to see. There are people who have been using it since the day it launched and are still using it and have used it every single day, which is also really cool. But then, yeah, most people don't. Behavior change is hard, man. It's like it's one of the hardest things, I feel like. And so it sucks when it's something wrong with the app. That's like my least favorite thing about running the business is like, no, like because I'm just trying to lower the barrier. But like, yeah, you had this bug or whatever. And it's honestly just an excuse to be like, see, it's not me. It's the stupid app that didn't do my habits, you know. But it's true. Like, honestly, there's some level of that where you can't trust your tools, then you just mix things harder. So so that's a big thing for me is like trying to make it as good as I can so that people keep using it. But that is a big thing that I feel like I learned when we started paleo because my son, when he was a baby, we found out he couldn't have dairy and stuff. And um, so we just kind of jumped in headfirst to that and did like a 30 day challenge thing. And I feel like a lot of people do 30 day challenges because that is super hard. You can pretty much do just about anything for a week. But like what's interesting is once you get past that week, like to the second or the third week, that's where it starts to really kind of click for you. And most of the time, that's when you start to feel momentum. You start to get like some actual satisfaction from something. But it's also ironically, like after about two to three weeks, when you kind of hit like the Seth Godin, the dip, you know, you start to kind of get past that beginner's luck phase and you start, oh, this is starting to get a little more uncomfortable or like my muscles are sore or whatever it is. Like I'm starting to get a little bored of it or not feeling it as much as I was in the beginning. So, yeah, I feel like if you can make it to a month with pretty much anything, it's uh, a lot easier to kind of get in that maintenance phase. Just keep it going. You said you three or four times retention. What did you change? It's just been iteration, honestly, like it's over the years, just adding more functions that people felt like, like there were a lot of times where people would say like, oh, you don't have an Apple Watch app. And they would say like, if you just had an Apple Watch app, I could use this. And I'm like, wow, really? Like, okay. All right. You know, so things like that, like just sort of slowly, but surely like, you know, adding more settings that people thought were like crazy. We didn't have this, you know, and we add that and it's good. And, and it just kind of ticked things up, you know, we've never really had very many monumental shifts in retention, like at all. It's just been sort of a slow and steady chipping away at problems. Mostly there's a lot of like books that regurgitate other people's research around habits and stuff like that. I guess part of me wonders, like, is Kyle using science to decide how to like set up trackers and habits and things like that, which is what I think people would assume versus it sounds like you're just doing it for yourself and based on the feedback of 14,000 plus people. Yeah. So I did some behavioral science stuff in college and then I did human factors engineering and stuff. So like I think between the user experience stuff and then some of the things that I learned about behavior and heuristics and stuff like in college, that definitely helped. But like beyond that, it was practical applications for myself and then for friends and then for family and then kind of started spreading. And now it's like a hundred some countries, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So over time, like it kind of progressed in that way. But like because it's such a small company, it's mostly from things that I've read where I'm trying to figure out how they fit, you know, how they apply. I feel like I've read all those books, you know, like dozens and dozens and dozens of books just on habits alone and then goals and goal setting, all that stuff. And that helps for sure, just to be able to take the science like from the studies and that kind of stuff, meta analysis of this study or these studies or whatever found that this thing happened or this is easier if you do this, that kind of thing. I start to kind of like read into those things and figure out if there's a way I can implement something that they should be implementing or something like that. So it's been application of that science, but I haven't done like any studies of my own or anything either. But have you made any mistakes with the app or put out things that actually hurt behaviors or made mistakes around that or things you reverted? There are some apps that came out that said like, hey, you can just like swipe left and be like, I didn't do it, but it doesn't count. 
And like, I feel like that is the worst possible thing that you could do is just say, <laughs> hey, here's a free pass, like all the time to anybody. Like, that is not cool. But I think one mistake I did make for sure that it's not permanent, thankfully, like I can just add this, but I would like to add kind of like a pause button to just be able to pause the tracker. Like, oh, I'm going on vacation and this happened or oh, I got the flu and I can't do this. I still just tell people just to like log it, just put a log note or something that just said had the flu. So I didn't work out or whatever, you know, but like there's no sense in breaking your streaks and feeling even worse when you're already sick or whatever, you know, but I do think that was a mistake not implementing that really early because there have been a lot of people that have asked about being able to pause stuff and, but no, it's legit. Like I have a real excuse. Like it's a good thing. It's a good reason I didn't do it, you know? So I think that's probably the biggest one I can think of is I, I wish I would. And you added that or you're going to. It's really complicated to add the pausing thing because you have to like write in logic for individual date ranges for each individual tracker and like not consider those in the streak formulas and stuff. And it's a lot of code and it'll slow down the charts and it'll be really hard to do it right. But we'll get it. We'll figure it out. Do you ever get annoyed if your family's like just having all these positive habits all the time? Your wife's <laughs> like, I drink water every day and we're eating healthy and we're fit and now we're rich. It's like, oh gosh. Do you ever so put in bad habits? <laughs> like, hey, start smoking or <laughs> like <laughs> something. Have vices. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, uh, it's actually funny, like in the very beginning, I wasn't even able to get most of my friends and family to use it. And I think part of that is because it was terrible, to be honest, like it was at one point I was just bad, like it was really bad, but it got traction really fast in the app store. And so it was almost like normally I feel like most of the businesses I've launched have been like friends and family, like that small, like tight circle of people. They're like, yeah, we'll support you. Like we got your back, you know, and like my wife and like my mom and like a bunch of people did like use it and stuff. But like it was kind of in spite of itself. <laughs> it was more just like, oh, yeah, well, this is Kyle's thing. I guess we'll do this, you know. But yeah, I mean, it took a while before it, people were naturally organically using it on purpose and for a while, you know, it does feel good to know that people are using it for good things. But I do feel like I want to work a little bit more on some of the bad habit stuff, though, too. Because I feel like a lot of people don't even track things in that way. And it'd be really interesting to dive in deeper with that. Yeah, I remember I didn't want to smoke cigarettes. And so I found mm -hmm. this app, like a Windows software app that it counted cigarettes that I didn't smoke and the amount of money I was saving. And I got a streak. And I was just like, oh, I'm making money. I'm not smoking. I got yeah. my streak. And actually, that was one of the, the major things besides my mom yelling at me that helped <laughs> uh, make sure that never happened again. Yeah, it's good. I actually was just in a grocery store a couple months ago and saw someone with a Strides t-shirt on. That was a huge milestone for us. I was like, what? It was in Dayton, Ohio, like this random place, you know? We made some shirts on Amazon merch available for a while and stuff. And apparently they used the app enough to want to go buy a t-shirt. That was kind of cool. That is kind of interesting. If you think like they're, <laughs> I want to wear my productivity tracker shirt. <laughs> yeah, I, know, like, yeah, I know. Is there things that you're fundamentally against or fundamentally for? I thought it was interesting. You're like, I don't want units because I don't want everyone to ever think that. Yeah. So I'd say, okay, two things, the units and skipping the units are because, and I, I have an engineering degree, like I'm a geek in that way. Like, and obviously you have to always include your units when you're doing engineering and stuff, but like pretty much any form of math like that. Right. But like, it's kind of an ironic choice, but like the reason I'm against that is because of clutter. And this is just from an app perspective, not like in general, I hate units, you know, but I really don't like the idea of having all that clutter because it's almost never useful. Like, you know, what your weight is measured in. If you have, you have a tracker called steps, you don't need it to say 10,000 steps. Like it says steps right next to the 10,000 already. So that's the minimalist side, I guess, where I'm just like, it's like annoying redundancy to me. But it's also like the charts and stuff too. Like there's a lot of different places and we made it really concise and cohesive in a way that it's like, you don't even have to scroll to see absolutely everything on your charts. Like a lot of apps just kind of 
say, okay, we'll just have like these cards that just like have a bunch of individual bar charts and circle charts and stuff, right? And you just scroll infinitely, it feels like through a bunch of stuff. And I want it to be more like a weather app where when you look at it, you just at a glance, you see everything. And so those are the kind of the two things that went into the units one. The skipping thing I feel like is the only thing is when I read James Clear, another bald dude in the bald club, uh, <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> he definitely had a good point. If you miss a day, just don't miss the second day. And so I feel like in that, with that strategy, like breaking a streak doesn't have to feel like the end of something or like really derailing. And like if you get back on track the following time, it's typically completely fine. Like it's not that big of a deal. And there's a lot of things where you want to say work out five times a week. And if you miss Thursday, just go work out on Saturday or something, you know, it's not a big deal, you know. And so I think that's one thing I think could work for it. But in general, I feel like the idea of saying I'm going to let myself off the hook. Oh, it's my birthday. Or it's even worse. Like I'm at the office and someone brought in a birthday cake. That's going to happen every single week if you work in a corporation, you know, but people do that. People will want to just give themselves that leeway with things. And the key to the whole thing, and I think this is something that I should say to sort of sum up that whole perspective is that like, it's not for someone else. You're only setting up the tracker for yourself. You know, like you're trying to track this thing for a reason. And so it's like, if you're just getting it out for it, it's not going to hurt anybody but you. It's not a good thing. So yeah, I do feel pretty strongly about not just making it really easy to skip things whenever you feel like it. Yeah. If you say you're going to do something for yourself or for others, but more for yourself, like your word is the most important thing. Yeah. And a lot of people would get super pissed off at someone else if they did the one thing that they're saying they should be able to do. It's so funny how humans are like so self-centered is the right word. But like in general, we feel it's really, really easy to overcomplicate someone else's motivations for things and to say like, oh, they must have meant to do that thing that made me mad or whatever. When it's like they probably didn't even consider that, you know, but like if you do that same thing, you give yourself the leeway and you let yourself off the hook right away. You know? so I totally do that. But I, I really like what you're saying about incentives. Like, hey, I want my company incentives lined up with the customer. Part of that is, you know, you only did three, not instead of like six. And then also I was kind of thinking about <laughs> you like want them to build a habit and you're like, all right, it's $4.99 a month and I'll help you build that habit. How do you think through those things? Yeah, that was a really tricky decision. I started out at 10. In the very beginning, it was unlimited. And there were just like tacked on features like privacy lock and like export some data and just like really simple kind of low level stuff. And it was terrible. Like I would have had to shut the business down. Like it's cost me like half a million dollars personally in development to build the app to where it is now. And so like I need to make some money to be able to fund it. And like you said, like lively, like it is literally all of my income. Like the other thing is practically non-existent <laughs> compared to strides. And I'm just now starting makeprogress.com. So like it's the whole thing. So what I did, though, was I tested 10 and it found that it was like, oh, that's a lot better. And then I tested seven and it was a lot better. And I tested three and it was a lot better. And the cool thing was that was the only thing I ever saw that actually did increase retention when I thought it wouldn't. There was a decent uptick in people that stuck around because what we did was I added a free trial, a seven day trial to the annual plan when I changed it to three trackers and retention went up. <laughs> I was just like, wait, what? And then I started thinking through it. I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense because people will get in there. And if they see the barrier, like you said, four nine nine a month, they're like, wait, what? I have to pay to be able to do more stuff. It's going to be harder and I have to pay for it. That's so weird, right? But if you can try it for free, then it changes the whole dynamic. So like that was a big thing is that we, for a long time, just had just a premium plan. You just pay five bucks or 30 bucks or whatever. I think it used to be 40 bucks a year. Now it's 30. So you get half off, I guess. You're saving 50% and then you know, that kind of thing. So the combination of those things, what I'm getting at is that that made it feel like there's a reason to go ahead and give it a shot and add all the things I want to add. And once I've done that, I want to see how it all works together. And there are people who cancel the trial, but it's like 
I want to say it's about 70% of the people that do the free trial just go ahead and pay. So they must be using it after that week. And that was my main goal was getting people over that hump and clearing that thing. And I, from what I've heard, free trial conversion rates are supposed to be really low. So like 70% seems really good to me at least. And so that's great because it gets people deeper into the process of tracking the things that matter and they don't have to hold back just because they're not sure if they want to pay, you know? And so I think that helped a lot. I think that was a big thing. How do you think about your business? Do you think of yourselves as like, hey, we're behavior change agents? I know that sounds really cheesy. You're going to launch courses and then you have a to-do app. Like, how do you think about the overall business? I'd say it's definitely personal development is kind of where it began. And it's slowly kind of gone into like professional and business development stuff too, because there are a ton of entrepreneurs that use it. But I feel like if I had to just like sum it up really quickly, it would be that strides is the main thing. It's just the ability to track your goals and habits is like the main component. But talking about the tendencies and like the obligers and accountability and all that, like what I've found over the years is that like, there are a lot of people who read productivity blogs and similar to business stuff, lots of entrepreneurs, I guess, would potentially just be reading a bunch of stuff before they take action on things. And the one positive that comes out of that is if you do finally take action, you've read a bunch of stuff, right? It's kind of nice that you at least have that like in your arsenal. And there are people like that with productivity, but I feel like it's a lot less common because you don't have like a super large motivation for that. Whereas like, even if you just want to start a side business or something, you might be into it enough, almost as like a hobby. Yeah, I'm going to read blogs and listen to some podcasts and stuff. And it might be at that level. But like with productivity, there's no like direct financial incentive. So it's not as clear cut why you would just read about being more efficient for fun. You know, (laughs) it's not quite as uh, impactful or like engaging as business content would be. I thought I was just kind of a productivity nerd and just thought, oh, I'm just into this stuff. I thought a lot of people were too. But over the years, what I've found is like, because of that, it's not very common for people to just sit around and absorb that content, like listen to productivity podcasts while they're working out or whatever it is. So what I kind of decided last year was I self-published a really small book. It took me like a couple months to write and it was a really simple thing. But like I did that because I kept getting the same repeat questions. And so I just made it free and kind of put it in the FAQ section, like a link to it and stuff. And that worked like like thousands of people have downloaded it and read it. And I've got people that say they like it and stuff, but I want to do something that's more direct and honestly, it has more accountability behind it. So like you're sitting there and reading a PDF is one thing, but like going through a course, you have a financial attachment to it, I guess you have some skin in the game. And I think that helps because I've heard from a lot of people actually in this industry that you learning stuff that like, even like the higher the price, the more likely you will be to get through the course which makes sense. I mean, you drop 10K on a course, you're probably going to do it, you know, or you drop $10, maybe not, you know? So that's one side of it is like, I'm thinking like, if I actually, instead of just giving away a free ebook, if I have some sort of like premium content where you kind of buy in and like say, okay, I want to do this, hopefully that will help them go through the action items and actually put it into practice. But so yeah, I'm thinking of it kind of like three levels. There's the tracking, which is sort of the DIY level where you're just doing it yourself and you you know what you're doing. And then there's, I want to learn a little bit more about this. I haven't really broken it down yet. And I just would like to still myself, but like, I want to take it to the next level. And then the third component is coaching. I work with and talk to a lot of coaches. They use it with their clients and stuff. And like, they want to be able to connect with clients and stuff. So I'm actually going to try to build something in where you can find a coach so that, you know, that can hold you accountable. I think that's kind of like the handholding one-on-one expert advice, you know, tips and stuff. And honestly, kind of a kick in the ass when you need it. Those three things are the levels of different users. You could be in all three of those groups for different areas of your life too. But I think that's kind of the spectrum that I want to cover. Yeah, I guess because part of it is why not double down on strides versus doing to-do app plus courses and other things? I've been the last couple of weeks been thinking a lot about that with the to-do app because it's just, it's hard to develop two things at the same time. That's something that like it is taking away time from strides. So I'm trying to kind of weigh that out and think if it's uh, worth it, you know? Well, I think in everything in life, it's what are we prioritizing with our time? Because like strides, is it only on Apple? 
Yeah, so it was uh, it launched on iPhone and then we expanded to iPad. And in order to do that, we built a web app and an API. And this year, actually just a couple months ago, we announced that we're going to shut down the API because we thought that the web would be great. We all were developers and people who used our computers eight hours a day. But we found that like almost nobody used the computer at all. And it was like costing a ridiculous amount of money and it was losing money every month. So we're keeping it around for like another probably three to six months for people to kind of transition because we're going to switch to iCloud Sync and then we'll have a Mac app as well. So it'll still be a desktop thing too and everything, but iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch and Mac. And then we'll build an Android app if there's enough demand for that too. Did you find anything interesting with the to-do app? Sound like it didn't pick on as much or what happened with this? Honestly, it's been successful from the first day. It's been profitable from the day it launched, which I was completely blown away by because it's the most cliche, overdone, like just absolute like red ocean kind of a business you could imagine. But the difference was that it's a day planner and it has calendar events and they're treated like tasks. So you can drag and drop to reorder your meeting at two between other things, but also say, I'm going to take the dog for a walk right after my lunch. And that's just a task. So that was my idea was to have it so that like everything can kind of be ordered and prioritized however you want. And then you could add like subtasks to calendar events. Maybe you want to go through these five things in a meeting and that kind of thing. It's still really cool. I'm really proud of it. I really like it and stuff, but it's a harder market to build on from this point. And it would probably be a crazy, I mean, 50 to $100,000 worth of development to get it to like where I really want it to be. So I'm just at a crossroads. I'm not sure if I want to do that or if I want to just pump all my time and energy into strides. I'm trying to kind of decide on that right now. But And or the course. How do you normally make these decisions? I usually just kind of mull things over for a while after I've talked to people and then just make a decision right then. Like I I try not to like let things simmer for too long, you know, like I'd say no more than a week for most things like that. So yeah, it's usually just kind of having a couple conversations, kind of thinking through it, kind of throwing everything out there and then letting it simmer a little bit and then just kind of snap decision from there. Are you still developing a lot of the app? No, I actually, there's no code in Stride, this code that I've written at this point. Like I did some coding courses and stuff back in the day. And like, I've definitely done some things, but I I launched six or seven apps. And so over the years, I've just kind of removed the other ones from sale. But no, I work with a really good developer and he's, you know, I have a great relationship now and stuff. And so it's basically just the two of us. I had some other people on the team that were working on the web and the API and stuff. But once we all kind of collectively decided that wasn't, going where we wanted it to. So they all had different things going on. One of them was having a baby and stuff. So we just decided to kind of part ways with that stuff and we're still friends and everything. But yeah, so it's pretty much just the two of us. And then my wife and my cousin that I talked to, my advisory board. No, you know, people on the outside who aren't day to day that have a macro view of it. Yeah, it's great. It helps a lot. You have a popular app. Sounds like it's downloaded millions of times, helped a lot of people, including myself. So I'm excited to get more people using it. But there's different approaches to how people want to run a business. It sounds like you guys are really excited I'm happy to have your world. There's the opposite side. I was just thinking about like Asana or Streak or some of these companies that have raised 50 to 100 million to do what you guys have done with two people in Ohio, which is just as impressive to me. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I since taking your course in 2013, I'd say right around 2013, I'd read a bunch of books and stuff and I leaned startup and all these different things. And I, I just, I don't like the idea of getting funding, at least for this. I honestly, if I was an investor, I wouldn't invest in it. I mean, to be completely <laughs> real with you, that's part of it. Like, And I only say that because like there's no chance for our IPO, major acquisitions. Like it's just not the kind of business that feels like it's going to be huge, but it's huge for me. Like if it's just me, it's just simple enough that I feel really comfortable and things are good and like feel really happy and proud of it and stuff. So it's like, I don't think it's ever going to be something that makes millions and millions of dollars, but I'm definitely really happy with where it's at. So what of the other productivity tools, like from books to apps, have you that you use or recommend? Because the one thing that I was thinking about. I was like, oh, they should buy, like, I used Remember the Milk for my to-dos, and I've used it for maybe eight years. And mm. honestly, it's literally the stupidest 
I think that's why I like it the most. It's just like it's a checkbox and a text. But the other app that I use pedometer plus plus. Oh, nice. Yeah. Or, yeah, or as creepy people like to say, pedo meter. Um, <laughs> I have an Android phone, but because I don't have an Android app, I literally like put the phone in my girlfriend's bag. I'm like, when we go out and I'm not using my phone, I'm like, you just need to carry it if we're walking because I don't want to lose my step streak. There are definitely a ton of tools. Like I love Trello. Trello is a really simple one that's free. And it's a really, really good tool that I use for, that's how we manage the whole business. Honestly, like it's pretty much everything we, we work on. Um, I really like bear bears a really good note-taking app. It's a really simple, it's iCloud sync only. So it's the Apple ecosystem thing. So I'm even, I mean, I have a, a Google pixel and I've been thinking about developing an Android app and stuff. So I'm like getting more into that world, but I got the iPhone when it first came out. So I've just kind of been in that for the whole time, but bears a really, really nice note-taking app. It's really, really clean and simple and just kind of does everything it needs to do. It feels like Evernote, but like less bloated and faster and easier to use and stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there, man. It's, I mean, I, I feel know, like but you're the dude. That's what I'm asking. Cause you're, this is like your world. <laughs> To some extent, which I don't like, people want to know the tools, but they don't want to do the work. They're like, oh, how do I lose weight? It's like, well, obviously, it's not just as simple as calorie counting and things like that. But it's like, you're probably going to exercise and you're probably going to change your diet. It's easier to go read another book about it or buy another course or buy some product like, you know, the Lululemon pants. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you use the notes built into the Mac? Because the latest version is actually pretty good. I haven't tried the one from iOS 13 and Catalina and all that. Like, I, yeah, I need to try the new one. But part of it, too, is that like whenever I find a good indie developer that's like really solid, I just support them right away. Like I did that with day one, the journaling app. I did that when they first came out. And I've been paying them ever since. And <laughs> I just I really like when someone comes out with something that's really solid and I know it's like a small team. <laughs> that's just a, a bias, I guess. But I got bare and like the day that I got it, I did the trial and I've been paying ever since. I, I, some of them, I just do it just because I know some of them, sometimes just I know the people like my um, I know another thing that a lot of people think of for productivity is email and I use missive and it is the best email client I've ever used in my life. And I feel like I've used every single one that's there. Like I use it on the Mac. So I'm not 100 percent sure about their iOS app, but missive is phenomenal for the Mac. And I think they have a Windows app, too. I think I just mean like desktop. But so obviously strides <laughs> app, they can use pedometer plus plus for steps. But bear app is for your notes. Day one is for journaling and missive yeah. is for your email. Yeah. Yep. So what do you like about Missive? So I had a really good call with their CEO one time and then I got the app. It has some things from like front. It has like a really nice like shared inbox feature and they have that. You can like comment on things and mention people like behind the scenes, like and almost have like a little chat behind sort of surrounding like an email thread. So you can be talking to a customer and say, hey, Jim, did you cover this from the marketing, blah, 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 whatever. Like, and they don't see that. The customer doesn't see it. You know, their interface is great. It's really, really easy to use. I don't have any like interest in them. I just, I just really like it, but it's basically Slack. They've built a full on like chat room feature where you can create different rooms and channels. And it's all just in the email client. It all feels the same, like across all of it. And so we got rid of Slack and we just use that for everything. It's really cool. As much as I want to encourage people to think about the habits, which we, I think we spend a lot of time talking about, the tools do help. Yeah. So I use Calm for meditation. That's my favorite one for that. Overcast for podcasts. I do like Overcast. Yeah, that's great. I use Blinkist. That's a really good one for uh, like, it's like the short, it's kind of like cliff notes for nonfiction books. I've quote read like hundreds of books on there. (laughs) Like they'll read them to you like an audio form or you can like, it's a really, really digestible like summary of a book. And then they have a link if you want to go buy it to like read the whole thing. That's been really, really cool. Um, Pocket is... Dude, I love Pocket. I'm obsessed with (laughs) I've been a user of that for a really long time, but... Yeah, those are some really good ones. I really like that. I like pennies. That's a really like it's a simple little indie one that's for uh, 
if you just have like a certain budget category that you just suck at, like that you really like, man, we eat out way too much or whatever. Pennies is a really good one. It's just color coded. It's really easy. You just like pop in what you spent. And so I don't track it. Like I don't do like a mint thing where I do like every single budget category and get all crazy about it. But it's really nice. Like for a certain to me, like I feel like that's one of those things where you don't need to track every single thing. You just need like the thing that you're really bad at is the one you can have like so that Archimedes lever, that huge high impact thing, you know, I like that a lot better than trying to do all of them. What is it with finances that you wanted to track or needed help with? The two things that I feel like it's mostly like eating out and then video games. I love some free to play mobile games. <laughs> They're not free at all. And so I like to manage how much I'm pumping into that stuff. But there's just some games that are easy to spend money on, but are really fun. <laughs> Which one? Uh, you rec- What's the one you recommend? Oh, I love games like turn-based RPG games where you're like upgrading things like the Marvel Strike Force, Age of Magic, like those kind of games. I used to be super into uh, games like Command and Conquer and Starcraft and stuff. And then when things kind of went to to mobile and everything, it's yeah. I play like with the Switch, like Mario games with my kids and stuff. But yeah, I just like on the phone or the iPad or something. It's kind of fun to have some of those games too. I just like making progress. I like upgrading things. You're, you're streaking. You're streaking. Have you played Universal Paperclip? It's an, a no. little bit of an older one, but I just found out about it. And I don't play any games on my phone and I went hard. But dude, check out Universal Paperclip, especially if you're into business. You basically create, a, it's a paperclip factory, but then the guy is an amazing game designer. He's, a, I think, professor at NYU. And the level of detail and things that they thought through about resource allocation was really interesting. Oh, that's cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Check it out. Universal Paperclip. Are there any other apps that you've seen? It almost seems like there's a new productivity app every week. But they don't seem to stick as much. I guess I was wondering your thoughts on any of the other ones out there. They're like, yeah, just I don't agree with these things. There have been sort of fly by night ones that have come in and then fallen off. And then there are others that like they'll do something. And I'm like, man, they did it in such a simpler way than I did. And that would have been awesome if I did it that way. (laughs) Like, I think that's the thing that it's happened mostly to me because we were first movers. Like there was one other thing that could track habits at all. We were already in development. Like I'd come up with the idea. It took 17 months to launch it. It was so complicated with the four tracker types. It was basically four apps in one. And so just did everything I thought made sense. But it like some of it was way too flexible or way too complicated. And so that would be the biggest thing sort of like as an insight, like if someone's launching a business is don't be a first mover unless you know your shit. <laughs> if you know what's going on and you have a really clear picture of the market or you can validate it in some way or, or something or the classic MVP thing, if you can just kind of launch something that is not the full idea, because that was the big mistake. I mean, I could have launched it in three months if I had just launched the habit part. And the habit part is like over half of all the trackers, even though it's only a quarter of the types. So like, had I just kept it simple with that, it would have been launched in a few months. It would have been a lot easier to build. But, you know, I wanted the full vision. And so I just kind of pushed through, you know. So since then, I've noticed some things that people have done. And I'm like, oh, man, that would have been really cool to do that. Or I've noticed like, okay, yeah, they did it in this way. And that's an easier way to present it or something. So I've kind of iterated with that, too. On the one hand, if you're a first mover, you'll get copied a lot. But on the other hand, if you get copied a lot, then you can just sort of improve on the copies <laughs> because you, you started there, you know, <laughs> learn so from like, them. Do a little bit of that back, you know, exactly. Dude, awesome sharing your story. I'm a fan. A lot of respect for what you guys are doing. And so I want everyone to go use Strides app. Thanks. I appreciate that. That's a wrap. I hoped you loved the episode. If you did, go check out Strides at stridesapp.com. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go swim together. And before you go, let me know what you thought of the episode by emailing podcast at okdork.com. I'll check it next year. Also, remember to go check out our friends Strides at stridesapp.com if you're looking to build and sustain habits. And a final special thanks to Jason at podcasttech.com. As always, he makes this stuff sound so great. And thank you, Sean, David, and Dean. 
and Mitchell of the Dork Team. And a special shout out to Garrett. This guy has helped build King Sumo, Sen Fox, Fam, a total all-star. Just want to let you know how much you matter to me. What's your favorite productivity tool? 